Yo, what's good, everybody? It's your boy, Jay Will. This is Miss T. I'm Marcus Aaron. And this is Second, Second Service. Service. Hey, everyone. It's Miss T from Second Service. And this is Second Service in Conversation. It is time that we got real about Black mental health and the church. And we're so excited to have Dr. Asia Temple joining us today. Hi, Dr. Asia. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Um, I think that this conversation is long overdue. I think it's time. Um, and I would love to get to the bottom of why it's taken so long to get here. But before we do, yeah. I do want to make sure that I introduce you correctly and let everyone know exactly the incredible person that I have the pleasure of speaking with. So for everyone who, if you do not know, Dr. Asia Temple is a fully licensed clinical and educational psychologist. She is a Michigan native. And Dr. Asia received her bachelor's degree from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor and went on to earn both her master's and doctoral degrees at Wayne State University. Dr. Temple has been a practicing mental health clinician and professor for nearly 15 years. Currently, she is the owner of Temple Behavioral Health, a private psychology practice in Farmington Hills. There, Dr. Temple provides counseling services to adults and children who are struggling with mood disorders, relationship issues, trauma, and life transition. So Dr. Asia, again, welcome. Right. <laughs> Make sure that we include like an applause and a cheer and the crowd going oh wild. <laughs> Thank you. I guess I'll start off the interview by asking you, I was reading um, and I came across a study and that particular study showed that 63% of African-Americans believe a mental health condition is a sign of weakness. Why <laughs> do you think that is? Like, why should we just start there? Yes, let's start there. Um, first of all, I'm not surprised at that statistic. Um, it does feel right to me, you know, just from working with folks kind of out in the field okay. um, and especially in our community. Um, I think we have to make sure we remember that there's context occurring here, like in the background. And the idea that as a society, as a whole, I think we're moving from a place that was very much a culture of separation um, into one that is very much more intersectional. Um, there's a lot more emphasis on commonalities now, you know, okay. as opposed to our differences. And so um, these ideas of like ableism and all this stuff, they may sound new, but this is part of what I think has been going on in the mental health field for a long time. Meaning the idea that for those of us who were able to functionally be out in, in the world, we're kind of able to pass, you know, like, and we don't have to acknowledge that we're feeling anything. We don't have to really get into all that. And so we really only ended up hearing about the extremes you know, mental illness, really extreme symptoms, people who needed to be institutionalized and all this stuff, that's where it came from. And I also okay. think, you know, the mental health field has struggled to be seen as legit. So we've kind of leaned into, you know, some of this stuff that makes us seem very, you know, but really everybody goes through a lot of this stuff. Absolutely. And so what are some ways that we can silence that stigma? Because um, I was reading, you know, everyone needs a therapist. And I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. So what are some ways that we can silence that stigma? Yeah, so in terms of making things better, it's really education, you know, which okay. we're in the middle of that now. Like, I love it. I love that people are talking about this. I love that our community is talking about this, but I really think 
this idea of emotional intelligence, it's important because we're moving into a phase in society where we, we need to use this Absolutely. in our heart. We don't need to use our bodies the way we used to, you know, to make things happen in the world. And right. so the idea that we can learn about how our thoughts affect how we feel, like we can really get into bringing value. You know, we don't value what we don't know about. So the idea that our emotions are still kind of foreign to us, so we don't value them like we should, but they're so important. They're really important. If you look at people who are living very authentic, interesting lives, they're usually doing it from a gut place, from a feeling Got place. Got it. That's how you get there. But you know, if we're never taught to do that, we don't understand, we don't know. Absolutely. So I have to ask you, how do barriers like um, socioeconomic disparities play a role um, when it comes to Black mental health? Yes. So, you know, we always talk about, um, you know, in, in the Black community, there's just extra stuff, you know. Okay. Because we come with a lot. <laughs> you know, and it, it applies here too. So the idea that, you know, I, number one, do I have money to even just afford to go see a provider? Do I have insurance coverage? Even if I do, will my job let me go so that I can take care of myself? I, you know, I remember back in the day with Monopoly, you know, you get that, the luxury tax, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea that right now self-care is still considered a luxury. And so there's stuff that you, you have to be prepared to kind of shell out in terms of time, money, resources, even just to get there, you know, like to be able to, to make sure you have a ride to consistently go to therapy, sometimes that's a, that's a barrier. And so, you know, just like anything else going on right now, the African-American community definitely deals with that more so than Absolutely. other communities. Are you seeing more and more employers um, are allowing their employees to now branch out and seek the help and, you know, take care of themselves? Are you seeing it a little bit more now or? I think mostly. I do think okay. now, that, um, but it's, it's because it's affecting their bottom line, you know. Got it. Uh, you know, which is a lot of times is how we get stuff done, you know. Yep. But, but, you know, companies are realizing that if they don't allow their employees to take care of themselves, they don't get quality work. And so because of that, I think more so, we still got more work to do. Got it. So I guess now let's dig into the church. Because mm -hmm. I feel like the two of them kind of have a history of being two separate worlds and operating differently when this is actually something that we can collaborate better on, in my opinion. So I yeah. wanted to ask you, you know, many people choose to seek support from their faith community rather yeah. than a medical professional. So I first wanted to get your thoughts on that um, and a little bit as to why that is. Is it a matter of um, comfortability because, you know, you see your faith leader uh, faithfully every Sunday or, yeah. Yeah, I think, um... I definitely think some of that is there. There's already a trust there. There's a familiarity. There's um, community there. Okay. So, okay. You know, you, yeah, you want to go where you feel familiar or where you feel like you can trust, you know, the advice you're getting. Um, but, I, but some of the pieces about therapy are about all that's opposite from that. Got and it. That, that I can have someone who's not involved with me or my life in particular have have a look at what's going on and that they can offer some things for me to think about and that they can they can actually be trying to help me that I can actually learn to trust people that I don't know or who are from mm -hmm. outside of my community that I can actually um, learn to think for myself and I don't mean that to imply that we shouldn't 
have community or look for people's advice that we know, but the idea that I can take someone's input and say, how does that feel for me? And, and make a decision without having to be afraid. Like if I do something that goes against the group, what's that, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to get, you know, ostracized or whatever? All right. of that is important. You know, we need to be able to do that sometimes. So in your opinion, what are some responsibilities that the Black church can take on to, I guess, better forge a relationship or kind of blend the two? What are yeah. some things that, yeah. I do think, um, you know, I grew up in the Black Baptist church. So, you know. Um, Shout out to Baptist. <laughs> the guys are going to be so jealous. <laughs> Um, but you know, like, so in many ways, like I really want the black church to lean on this. And I feel like sometimes they're not. Um, but really the idea that we have somewhere, uh, this is our cornerstone. It's always been like that. The church has right. always been our cornerstone and the idea that they can help assist with resources and to help us kind of reach the, the, the things that we need out in the community, that that's what the church is for. And then also in terms of just feeding us. Um, the black church is first, you know, that's the first place I ever saw somebody have an out-of-body experience or talk about divine, you know, wisdom that they received from somewhere. Like these are ideas that kind of originated. When you put them outside of the black church, they sound like mental illness. But in the church, we've been talking about this stuff forever. Um, so the idea that like we need some help here, you know, and I think that church is one of the best places for us to understand our connection with divine and the idea that we can be divinely guided, um, the idea of compassion and what that can help us do and be like all of these things, church, you know, you would think would be right there ready to lead us. And I want them to do so. I think um, we need to be demanding quality from them, okay. meaning okay. idea of there, there may need to be some education and training for some uh, church members or, you know, church leaders around mental health and how to um, address some of the ethical or professional or, you know, just some of the like businessy type stuff so that they can offer the service the way it needs to be offered. Um, but really, I think moving into a place where we realize, I like to think that now at this phase in my life, I'd like to practice intersectional um, just intersectional practice. The idea okay. that I'm really working to not get caught up necessarily in all the differences, but it's what are our commonalities here? And there's a lot of commonalities between what the church can offer in terms of supporting us and our mental health, and then also what we can get in a therapy office. Um, we would like to see them bring it together because I do think there's a lot of intergenerational stuff that would need to be reckoned with for us to mm -hmm. really, and when you ask this question at the beginning, this is part of what I think is the barrier, is that there's a lot of stuff that we've had to go through as a community, a lot of things Absolutely. that we've had to bury, or a lot of practices we've had to pick up that weren't necessarily healthy uh, for us to be able to get through. And all of that's got to get cleaned up if we're going to, you know, be able to go forward and live open, healthy lives. We can't necessarily keep um, being silent about, you know, abuses or neglect, or we can't necessarily be silent about, you know, some of the things that go on in our own house, whether that's the church or our own home, mm -hmm. you know, and I think, um, you know, we just gotta, we gotta be in a, a space where we're ready to clean that up and look at it openly and honestly. Got it. I wanted to ask you, this is more so a opinion question, um, I guess you can say. 
I know that there are benefits to, you know, diving deep into the past, right? And really understanding your triggers or Mm -hmm. your traumas um, and things that kind of have shaped you, whether negatively or positively, into who you are today. And I wanted to ask you, are there ways to begin that healing journey without having to relive those traumas? Like without having to dive deep and look at that, are there ways to move forward? Um, Or does it always kind of resort back to that's the first step is talking about what happened? Um, the short answer is no, (laughs) Uh, meaning I believe, and I tell my clients all the time, it's not always a good time to dredge up the past. Not always. Meaning you can start where you are, start where you are, make some choices um, that can help you change now. And you have to acknowledge that there's something there. Got it. Acknowledging something there and like digging into it and like unearthing all that is, is a different thing. And you don't have to do all of that at once. You know, a lot of times clients will come in and there's a whole lot from back then, but then their life is kind of on fire now. It's mm-hmm. not the time. It's not the time to be back there. We need to figure out what's going on now, get you stable, and then we can talk about it. So that's when I'm, in terms of therapy being a wonderful workpiece, and people feel like, well, I just go when I don't feel good. Well, not necessarily. It's kind of, um, I liken it to like attending university, like, Nobody has to do it. You can live a perfectly good life without it. Without it. If you do it, it will change your perspective on everything that comes later. And so um, you'll look at the world differently. So the idea that I can go and I don't necessarily have to be feeling sick or anything like that, you know, but those are the times really when it's good to get back into the past when you're feeling okay and life is kind of calm because you don't want, and you know, Mental health clinicians are taught this piece that it's, you have to be careful when you're diving back, you can really destabilize a person and cause them a lot of pain. You know, you can re-traumatize if you're not careful. You want to make sure you're working with a therapist that understands that. Speaking of therapists, because we did get a few questions in from our listeners and um, at the top were questions about picking or how do you know that you have found the perfect therapist? So I guess I'll start by asking you, what are some early, um, I guess, attributes that folks can look for when seeking a um, mental health professional? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, first and foremost, is someone that you feel comfortable with. Comfortable is different than, you know, um, necessarily you feel like they agree with everything you say. That's a different thing. Um, you want someone who will be accepting of all of your ideas. Okay. Accept them all. They don't have to agree with them all. That's important. <laughs> it, right. And it's important <laughs> because um, the work of the therapy is in the difference. It's in the, it's in the back and forth. I mean, just kind of giving you some things to think about that maybe you hadn't considered. So you do want somebody that you feel you will respect them enough to let them challenge you. Okay. You know, that's important. Um, and somebody with some good boundaries, you need somebody who, you know, who they respect your time, that they don't make you feel uncomfortable in any way, um, where things are clear between you in terms of, you know, like how, how do things get paid? Like, you know, all the things and they have a comfortable place or a comfortable, you're just comfortable with the way they do things. Um, because, you know, you, you want ideally to have somebody you can form a bond with and have it be over time, you know. 
And I guess on the other hand, how would you know that it's not working? Like I can share for me when I first started in therapy, um, at first, because I was new to it, I don't think that I really took the time to vet out. <laughs> I think I was just like so eager to be like, I need help, help yes. me. Yes. Um, and so I started therapy and my therapist at the time was very, um, it was conversational. And mm -hmm. I think I was looking for a little bit more action. Like, I'm fine with telling mm -hmm. you what's wrong, but I need you to help me to think through what are some next steps or what are some things that I can do? And I wasn't receiving that. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you, how do you know um, when it's just not the right fit? Like, is it on that kind of scale that I was at about it's not really what I'm looking for? Or, mm -hmm. you know, are there chances where it's not that clear and you really don't know if it's yeah. working or not? I would say anytime that you feel like something is wrong and you don't know what to do about it and okay. that goes on too long, it's time for a new therapist. Meaning you need somebody who number one is going to check in and say, how are you feeling about what we're doing? Is this helpful to you? Is there something else you would like to have more of or less of or whatever? That's regular. It should be a regular conversation over different intervals as part of your therapy. Um, you should also be working with a person that will allow you to say to them, like, you know what, like last session, you know, I kind of left and I did, I really wasn't clear about what I should do based on what we talked about. Like, can you give me some action items? Like, if you don't feel comfortable to say those kind of things and okay. then offer, it's probably not a good match. Got it. Got it. It just closed my train books. I had a question. I had a follow up question to that. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It'll come back to me. I'm like, oh, it was right there. It'll come back. Um, but I will ask you now, how long should we be in therapy? Is there ever an end date? Or yeah. is it something that you should, you know, kind of always be at like your primary care physician? <laughs> gotcha, yes. Um, I would say, well, it depends on the nature of the issue. Um, okay. And I think some people, people have all kinds of different ideas about how long this should take, but, um, for some people, it really is about a certain situation, a certain relationship, a certain problem, and they need help with that. And once they are cleared for that, they feel good to just kind of go back and try it again. For other people, um, it can be a very long-term thing and there's nothing okay. wrong with that. Like, okay. you know, the idea that sometimes we are really working to redefine our relationship with our, kind of with ourselves. And that usually comes from like a long history of having bad relationships with other people. So meaning the idea of the therapeutic relationship, that is the intervention. Having a long-term positive, healthy relationship with someone, mm -hmm. with your therapist, that is kind of part of how you work out the problem. Okay. Um, so, you know, for some people it can take longer than they think. But okay. that's why you need somebody you like because you need to have you know, that's what it is. You need to be able to settle in. Absolutely. I remember my question. <laughs> it came back to me. I wanted to ask you, how can we be better advocates um, for mental health, especially when it comes to our peers? Because I know sometimes you never, as cliche as it sounds, you never really know what someone's going through. And sometimes you can't see it, right? Some, you know, I, I, I can share that I've been in situations where something has happened to a person and mm -hmm you'll always hear people like, oh my goodness, they're always smiling, they're always doing that. And sometimes, you know, that, that's that outward camouflage, right? That's me trying to mask my hurt and my pain. So I wanted to know what are some ways that we can be better advocates and also kind of, I guess, 
help our peers to be more comfortable in sharing when they're going through something. Yeah, I think um, the vulnerability piece starts by us modeling that for each other. Okay. And the idea of, um, you know, somehow feelings have gotten a, a rap that they make you weak. And that's not really true. You know, the idea that, that our feelings can make us very strong. You know, sometimes, you know, we can do things we would never do based on a feeling that has hit us. And so um, really being in a space where you are um, making sure that you're operating according to your own feeling and that you are being true to yourself and letting people know that, you know, that, you know, if, some, if you're not in agreement with something, you can just simply say that, or if something doesn't feel right to you, the idea that okay. you can show that with people, okay. check on your friends, making sure okay. that they are, you know, we say, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, you know, but no, really. Check in. Yeah, and the difference is, how are you feeling? Not how are you? You see what I mean? It's a small change, but it, it can make a big difference. Dr. Asia, I have to ask you, you have to be the strong one for so many people, right? This is your line of profession. So I have to ask you, what are some ways that you practice um, good mental health to make sure that you're okay? Um, I do a lot of journaling. Um, Yay, shout out to the writers. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of journaling. I do um, a lot of meditation. I um, spend a lot of time, I try to spend a lot of time with myself, which I think it's not necessary for everyone, but I think if you're a person that works intensely with people or you have lots of deep conversations with people you do need time to yourself sometimes to just clear clear your headspace okay. um making sure you have time kind of out you know get outside let the like let the air hit you all this grounding work that we talk about in therapy you know okay making sure you're just really taking care of yourself working out that kind of thing is very very important and i have to ask you especially now with everything that's going on as far as um the coronavirus pandemic what are you seeing, um, or maybe not what you're seeing, but are you worried about the long-term effects, especially that, you know, quarantining has had on people? Are you worried about what those long-term effects can be? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty worried about it, <laughs> to say. Um, I am worried that we already, I mean, I can't really say we had a calm world, you know, before COVID, but, um, <laughs> but the idea that right now we are, we're in a really different place. Um, there's so much upheaval that is going on with people's lives with jobs changing and our routines are changing and like all this stuff. Um, but then also the sustained um, anxiety, you just sustain, you, you don't really, we can tolerate most things for a short period of time. We can do that. Mm -hmm. But when we start getting into like long-term like periods of uncertainty, that's something that most of us have not experienced. You know, we think of like people who maybe lived through the great depression or like, I don't know, the world war or something like that. Right. Maybe they kind of understand it, but even you hear those stories later, like, you know, my, my great grandfather was, he was, he lived through the depression, you know, I don't know. And how they had little quirks and little, you know, mm -hmm. stuff through because they were just changed after that. Um, so I do think there are some people who really may end up struggling, but you know, we're here, we're here to help people, you know, everyone can improve their life no matter what's going on. And I know you just mentioned um, we're here to help people, but I know that this pandemic has also um, has increased the need um, for for therapy. And so I know that you know caseloads are now yes. <laughs> you're seeing oh, different yes. numbers. Seeing yes. different numbers. I wanted to know um, for those who are looking to get into therapy and who may come across um, the barrier 
of not being able to find someone with availability right now, what are mm-hmm. some things um, that they that individual can practice at home um, mm-hmm. in that in that waiting time? Gotcha. Yes. Um, so there are a lot of really really nice um, self help resources out there. They've always been out there, um, but really the idea, you know, getting yourself into um, some kind of audio or written work um, where you're going through it, like you need something with like a a, a thing to do type component. Okay. You know, reading okay. is fine, but like really getting into like journaling it out and like um, having some directed structured questions and that kind of thing. Um, but really then also um, sometimes, honestly, talking to a supportive friend can almost be as good. Now you have to be careful. Uh, you can't just, <laughs> right? you can't just talk to anybody, but you really need to think of um, the warm fuzzies who are also healthy and that they challenge you. Okay you know, and, and have a good combination of both, you know, but that can tide you over and get you through in those times of need here. Um, but it's rough right now. People are really um, kind of stretched to the max here in terms of those who are in distress and those who are trying to serve. It's, it's kind of um, an issue we're going to have to figure out. And um, just to add to that, you know, you don't have the accessibility of church now too. Right. So right. don't necessarily yes. have your faith leader um right. so yeah it's it's yeah. rough it's yeah. rough and that's why I wanted us to I'm so grateful that we were able to have this conversation and yeah. that we're able to talk about it on the podcast because it's something that you know we've shied away from talking for far too long but now mm-hmm. it's coming up you know we're seeing it even as far as in our black entertainers you know we're seeing mm-hmm. I know more recently with you know Kanye West and you know we're watching the story of Tamar Braxton at Cannon we're really seeing it now come to the surface Um, And I said, you know, this is something that we need to talk about. Because like you said, there is nothing wrong with getting the help that you need. It just, what I really appreciate is that you mentioned it's education that'll help you is really getting to a point of knowing there is help out there, you can receive it, Mm -hmm. um, and then moving forward from there. So thank you. I am so excited for this very timely and important conversation that we're having today. Miss Myra Kane will be talking about Black mental health and the church. And it's time that we get real about it. Hey, Ms. Myra, how are you? Hi there. I am very well today. And I'm just very honored and pleased to be here. We're so excited to have you. So excited. So I guess without further ado, we'll just jump right in. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) It's time. According to the Health and Human Services Office of Minority Health, Um, Black adults in the U.S. are more likely than white adults um, to report persistent symptoms of emotional distress. Why do you think that is? Well, let me start off by just saying this is a very um, critical time in our culture um, because of just the the virus, the coronavirus that's going on. Um, Really, these are unprecedented times. We haven't been here before. Um, There has, you're you're correct in that, um, you know, there is a higher um, prevalence for uh, the Black community um, to report stress, stress, um, and um, mental health concerns. And so a lot of that does have to do with our history. We have a unique history. Um, We've come through 
just amazing um, times of darkness um, and survive that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, so our culture and our history is, is fraught with that. But we've emerged um, and come out of that. But I, I, I think the reason that that is, is because we carry some of that with us. Um, some of that that um, history on that of that struggle, um, and so it it comes with us into the present. And like I say now, um, there's a lot going on in our culture, um, and it's not just the virus. As you see, there's it's like a tinderbox um, in terms of what's been happening with our African American males. Yep. Um, just I, you know, it really is just a um, a time where mental health needs are coming to the forefront. And Absolutely. I think that's a big reason for that. Yeah. And why would you say that we as people are so afraid to seek help and seek therapy? It just seems like it's... Um, oh something that we don't turn to and it's like it's right there why don't why don't we do it yes again i must say um that our history you know it's never been something uh really that we have been aware that we can take um advantage of okay and i I also think that because we've had to be so strong um as a you know, a race, a culture, we've had to bear things and just move along, right? Just suck it up and just move on. Um, I think there's that where we just feel like, okay, if we're feeling depressed or something happens that's, um, you know, a trauma or something like that, we just, we tend to really stuff those feelings. and just deal with it the best way we can. Right. I know that I can share that personally, you know, I grew up in a, in a family where, you know, what happens in the family stays in the family. And it, it was almost like a sense of, of honor or saving face. You just don't talk about those things. And um, so that, you know, I've had to work through that myself personally. And so I think those two things just historically what we've had to deal with and because it is just a mark of um strength and and maybe pride some pride and just holding on to that strength you raise a really good point uh when you mention you know what happens in the family stays in the family i wanted Mm -hmm. to kind of dive a little deeper there can we kind of talk about um i guess the long-term effects right of that mentality and having that how does that show up like Um, later down the line in, in a myriad of ways, um, when, because we're human, right? Right. And so when traumas or things happen, um, those things, we can repress them, but they're still there. And yep. so what happens years later, uh, you know, it can come out physically, it can manifest in an illness. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you know, you know, the African-American community has a much higher rate of you can say cancer, high blood pressure, just you can go down the list. Um, And I do believe that it could be related for sure to um, 
just not dealing with the emotional um, or spiritual um, effects of traumas that happen. And um, so, yeah, for sure, for sure. Since you mentioned it, spiritual, mm -hmm. I guess it's time to <laughs> go over there. So many people choose to seek support um, from their faith community rather than a medical professional. And so I wanted to first ask you your opinion on why you think that is, um, which probably, I guess, goes back to your opening statements about it kind of tracing back to our history. Um, but you can tell me if, if I'm on the right, if I'm on the right track with that thought or not. And then I yes. wanted to ask you, go ahead, sorry. Nope, I'm, I'm just agreeing with you. I think that is part of it, but continued. Um, and then the follow-up question would just be, um, what are some ways do you think um, that faith leaders or I guess responsibilities rather that the church can kind of take on to help with that? Yes, yes, for sure. Um, and this is really, again, <laughs> just what is going on um, in the world, actually not just the United States, but um, right. and with the culture is, is demanding um, that there's more um, unity, I guess you would say, between okay. uh, faith and mental health uh, care facilities, put it that way. But let me go back just a little bit and just say again, the history of the African-American community is, has always been, you know, um, our spiritual faith has been just the um, core of what has given us the strength to endure and to rise above. And so I think that is something that is so intricate and intimate um, to our community and our culture that it, it almost is necessitates that if you're going to deal with a trauma or you're going to deal with your mental health, the spiritual is forefront. Okay. It just is. And there's no separating that. So the healing, and I, I take that very seriously and personally just because of my own journey. And um, because when my, I just know that when my clients come to me, um, they're very open and willing and actually want faith to be a part of their healing journey. Okay. And, and I honor that and I take it very seriously. Um, and, you know, personally, I do believe that the, there's no complete or whole healing without that spiritual aspect. I have to ask, and I was trying mm -hmm. to um, find the words, but I think it kind of goes back to the point of why we don't seek help. And I think a lot of the reasons why we don't seek help is because of stigma, right? And it's, yes, I, I've been in, I guess, situations where, you know, you can talk to somebody about considering therapy or some type of wellness um, resource. And it's always, you know, I'm not crazy. I don't need help or whatever the case may be. How can we start to kind of get, especially our people out of that mentality of like, it's not about being crazy or, or not looking crazy not. because, you know, what does good mental health look like? What does that look like? Yes. Well, I tell you, 
okay, I, I just want to preface and say, I think it's important to note that um, African-American women are much more open to seeking or to, to being involved, you know, in therapy. Most of the resistance or more, let me just say, more of the resistance comes from African-American males. Um, and, and again, I have my own personal um, reasons for why that is, but I just wanted to just say that. I do think that um, how the therapist or the mental health provider, even the pastor, you know, um, would approach a person has a lot to do with their openness to it. Okay. Because it isn't, it's just being sensitive that you're, you're human. Things are gonna happen in life that you need someone um, to just help you. It's not about being crazy. It's about, um, we all have limits to how much um, we can bear before we need that, that, that helping hand, that journeymate, that person to um, help you to find um, just relief. Um, and, and again, with what's going on, um, it has kind of like exploded. It's exploded. Okay. So I hope that that helped to answer the question. Um, but it, it, it really is an approach. It's how you connect with that person. It's so okay. important. It's very important. Here's more of an opinion question. Sure. Um, it, it, it might get a little critical <laughs> or, <laughs> or might be easily critiqued. But um, in your opinion, do you think your pastor should be your therapist? Or, does it, or is it beneficial to actually have two separate, a therapist, and then you can also go to your pastor for spiritual guidance? That's an excellent question. That is an excellent question. I think that there is a place for pastors to recognize and maybe help um, a congregant to seek some help. Okay. I don't okay. think there's anything wrong with um, a pastor talking with, you know, individuals in their congregation if something comes up and I'm going back because I don't think I answered that qu your question about how, you know, the faith community um, can kind of partner with mm -hmm. mental health. And, and that is, that is the missing link where, yes. Um, but I, but in terms of, of counseling and actual therapy, I personally believe that should be left up to someone that's had training um, because there's a myriad of things that can come up right? And as a pastor, it's, it's um, I think it's important to recognize, again, limitations. Um, okay. The spiritual component is there, but there's also, you know, a very real mental um, and sometimes physiological component that plays in there too. It's the whole person. So we okay. do partner. We okay. do. We did get some uh, listener questions beforehand, and okay. it actually kind of ties right into um, what we're just now talking about. So yes. The first question that we have, is there a place 
or a directory or website where you can find licensed um, Christian mental health workers, counselors, therapists, and if so, where? Absolutely. Um, well, psychology today is a very... Um, That's like my Google. I'm always on it. <laughs> right? That is, that is a very popular um, website that, you, that someone can go to. Mm -hmm. um, and you can just type in, you know, you're looking for Christian or, and they'll bring up the Christian therapist, African-American, whatever your preference is, male, okay. female. So yeah, that's what I would recommend. Okay. Mm -hmm. To start with. And then um, our next question from a listener uh, says, what are some look for when looking for a good mental health um, counselor or therapist? What are some I'm things sorry, what you are... should be looking for? What are some things you should be looking for um, oh. when considering a therapist? Okay. First of all, you have to make sure that they're properly licensed and credentialed. That's, that, that's, that's a important. good place to start. It's a good place to start. Honestly, because training is important. Um, after that, I would really recommend a consultation, an initial consultation. If you're reading through, like, say, um, the credentials, you know, from a website, that's okay. fine. That can give you a, a general sense of what they cover, what they treat, um, their specialties, things like that. But I think it's really important that if something, um, you know, piques your interest and you do contact them, have a consultation. Don't just set an appointment, but come in and ask questions. When you come in, you want to, um, you know, where did they go to school? Ask them a little bit about their background. See if there's a connect. That's very important um to see if there's there's it's organic almost okay. you know to can you connect with them do you feel comfortable talking to them um yeah so that's what i would recommend okay it's and good. our next question um after how many sessions uh should you be able to tell if it's a good fit you know that that has some wiggle room in it because okay. it really does, again, depend on the, the connect. I would say, you know, if you don't feel comfortable or a sense of ease and, and listen to your instincts, you know, okay. um, the therapist should, should be asking you questions that resonate with you and okay. that have meaning for you where you feel like, oh, wow, you know, but I'd say maybe after maybe the third session, if okay. it's just not working out <laughs> and again it's general it's okay. general okay does therapy ever end is there ever like at this point it's like okay i don't have to go anymore what are your thoughts again that's a i think that is an excellent question it depends again on um the individual's diagnosis what they're dealing with um some of the issues that an individual may be looking for therapy may you know be physiological like okay. um i don't know it could be like bipolar um, okay. adhd or something like that yes those things um can be treated sometimes with medication sometimes without but there usually is an instance where okay you know i've reached the point where i'm i'm stabilized now i'm okay i'm dealing with you know signs and symptoms um and i'm okay um with when you're looking at more of a trauma-based um diagnosis okay. um, which could be like depression um things like that um 
it really is, it depends on that individual um, and the depth of healing that's needed. And so okay. there isn't, there isn't any set time. You'll know because you'll know on the inside of you when you've reached that level of peace and healing, you will know. You will know. I like that. You will know. Because mm -hmm. you're right. When you start to, um, when you're engaging in the sessions and you're also applying um, what you're learning or what you're finding, you will start absolutely. to see a change from the inside out. So you're absolutely right about that. Um, I did want to ask you, with uh, the pandemic and everyone having to be home and, you know, speaking with therapists via Zoom or whatever, <laughs> however you can, I had to ask you, what are some ways that people can practice um, good mental health just at home? You know, if you're not ready to start um, looking for a therapist, what are some things you can do? Are there um, like daily affirmations or, you know, maybe yes. meditation? Yes. And there's just a myriad of websites and stuff that you can go to, you know, Google um, affirmations or self-care. Okay. Um, and I, I think it is crucial, very crucial that self-care become a priority. Um, these are just very stressful times, um, you know, unknown, and we have to take care of ourselves um, so that we can take care of each other, you know? Um, so I recommend, sometimes it can just be a, a warm bath or just time to yourself, um, right. you know, because it's just very important that you center. And so, yes, affirmations are important. And this is where the spiritual component comes in. I think it's very, very um, much needed because with what's going on that we have no control over, um, to find a place um, spiritually where you're like, okay, I may not have control of this, but there, I know that you know, there is a God that loves me. There's a reason I'm here, that there is a God that is in control, um, can bring a sense of peace and comfort to each his own. I'm just saying it um, can make a difference sometimes. It can make a difference. So I just recommend just quiet time, um, coming away, get off the media. Um, a steady diet of that is not good. Okay. Um, and just centering yourself and deep breathing exercises, um, just spending time to gain that inner peace is very important. If you like music, if you like, I don't know, movies, just doing something that can kind of take you away of the reality of what's going on is very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Ms. Meyer, thank you so much. Oh. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, this is, it was time to have the conversation to kind of, you know, break the ice. I know this will not be the last time that yes. we'll speak because I'm sure once Good. this goes up, there will be more questions and hopefully, you know, this today has served as um, the start to an ongoing conversation that Beautiful. is well overdue. <laughs> well, well overdue. Well, thank, thank you, thank you for having me and Absolutely. I look forward to speaking with you again. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.